comadrita. You have been gone for one year. Because that was the best concert they ever had in the Silver Dollar Saloon. It wasn't long before everyone knew about the remarkable flute and what it said. We love stories! It's time for the Apple Seed, filled with stories for you and your family. I'm Sam Payne, your host. It's such a pleasure for me to bring you all kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers. So thrilled and delighted every time you tune in to bring these stories into your home and into your heart. Today, we've got stories that'll give you a lot to think about. It's uh, an hour's worth of stories that have mortals interacting with magical animals and spirits of nature. You're going to hear from Glenda Bonin with a story called The King Has Goat Ears. You're going to hear from Susan Reed with a beautiful song called Jimmy and the Seed. And you're going to hear a story from Valentina Ortiz, a story about a mother who goes to try to save her child from the spirits of the water. And you won't want to miss a word of any of those tales. You'll also hear uh, an Iroquois creation story by the great storyteller Joseph Bruchak. But we thought we'd begin with Jay O'Callaghan and a story called Frog Dodge City. And in this story, of course, Doc Holliday is a tough, straight-faced cowboy who hasn't smiled in years. And when he encounters Fred, who is, of course, a singing frog with a love for fun, all that might change. Fred's band of pond animals shows the saloon the best concert they've ever had in this tale by the great storyteller Jay O'Callaghan. And we're happy to kick off our episode with Frog Dodge City here on the Appleseed. This is the story of frogs. Back in the old west, in the days of Dodge City, when the cowboys were hard and kind of mean, those were the days when Doc Holliday was the meanest man in Dodge City, hadn't smiled in ten years. Well, outside Dodge City, if you went a few miles, there was a place they called the Desert. Nobody knew it, but there was a frog pond there. There's this great circle of trees full of birds. Every morning, the birds, they'd fly over the frog pond. They'd say, hey, Fred, sing the sun up, will you? And Fred was a big frog. He'd be sitting on a lily pad. He'd say, all right, birds, calm down. And Fred, he was known as Frolly Frog. He'd kind of expand and start to sing. Oh, the day is nice, day is nice, and the day is a fine, and I do like the good sunshine. Birds are flying around. Fred, keep it up. He's singing the sun up. Oh, the day is nice, the day is nice, and the day is a fine, and I do like the good sunshine. Oh, the birds. Fred, you've done it again. The sun's coming up again. Well, it's all right, birds. Oh, they were happy birds, but... Fred said one day, birds, uh, I got a little surprise today. Frop, get out here. Littlest, teeniest frog in the world, Frop, jumped out, landed on a lily pad. Little Frop, he didn't sing. He played the bass. Bung, 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 Love it, Frop. Don't be shy. Oh, the day is nice, 
What a bird! There's a static flying all around. Sun's coming up, Fred. Well, you never met happier birds in your life. But next day, Fred, known as Friday Frog, said, My bird, now wait a minute, calm down. <laughs> I got one more surprise. Come out here, flip flop. Longest, tallest, skinniest frog in the world, flip flop. Jumped out so soft and landed on a lily pad. Flip flop. Didn't sing, didn't play the bass. He danced so soft. Started dancing, flip flop, flip flop. He was dancing and doing somersaults, coming down so soft on the lily pads all over. Flip flop, flip flop. Oh, the day is nice, day is nice, and the day is a fine and I do like the good sunshine. Bung, 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 flip flop, flip flop. Where those birds? They couldn't ask for anything more, and the sun was coming up again. But the next morning, Fred said, Oh, we're birds, uh, gather round. Now, uh, we're going into Dodge City today, and we'll be back. And the birds flew low. Hey, Fred, it's a hard town. You'll never be back. We'll be back, I promise you. Fred, don't go to Dodge City. But Fred, he was already going, singing out into the desert. Oh, the day is nice. Day is nice and the day is fun. And little frops behind him. Last thing the birds saw was flip-flop. He was dancing out into the desert, and Flip-Flop turned. The birds had given him a cap. It was just a nest, upside down with a, a little leaf. And he doffed that cap and disappeared in the desert. All day long, those frogs are crossing the desert. They got to Dodge City that night. They're so dry they could barely sing. Oh, day is nice. Day is nice. And Fred knew he had to get his boy something to drink, or they was in trouble. But everything was closed except a silver dollar saloon. And Fred looked underneath the swinging doors, and must have been forty-five cowboys. Nobody smiling. They're playing poker and standing around with those high heels and the spurs. And there's Doc Holliday looking sour. But Fred, he went right between those cowboys. He jumped up on the bar, and there's two huge barkeeps. They both got handlebar mustaches. And Fred, known as Friday Frog, says, uh, Barkeep, my name's Fred, also called Friday Frog. I appreciate a sesbrilli, and I'll sing for it. And the barkeep looks down at this frog. And he makes a fist and lifts it up in the air. I ain't giving no frog no sesperly. And Fred, known as Friday Frog, says, uh, Hey, Frop, get up here. Littlest, teeniest frog in the world, Frop, jumps up on the bar. Boom, boom, boom. Appreciate a sesperly. And I'll play for it. <laughs> the barkeep notices that half the place is looking at him. He likes the attention. And he forms a fist and lifts it up. 
I told your friend here I ain't giving no frog no sesperity. And Fred, known as Frolly Frog, says, uh, Hey, Flip-Flop, get up here. Longest, tallest, skinniest frog in the world jumps up, Flip-Flop. He doffs his cap, nice and polite, and says, I'd appreciate a sarsaparilla, and I'll dance for it. Well, now the whole place is looking at the barkeep. Oh, we like that. <laughs> he reached back, and he got a club and lifted it up, and Fred said, uh, Barkeep. I wouldn't do that if I was you. And the barkeep said, I told you, I ain't giving no frog no sarsaparilla. Well, he comes down with that, and something happened to the barkeep. He goes head over heels right through the bar, out the swinging doors, and he lands in the street. And there's not a sound. And Fred says, uh, other barkeep, I'd appreciate a sarsaparilla. And the other barkeep, he, he's shaking, he says, Yes, sir. <laughs> and Fred says, Thank you, barkeep. <laughs> now I'm going to sing like I said I would. And Fred, known as Frolly Frog, jumps down and goes over the piano player. Play me a song. Piano player's frozen with fear. He can't move. I can't seem to move, Fred. Well, I'll help you. Fred jumps on the keys, boom, up on top. He's on the top of the piano looking at every cowboy in the place, right in the eye. And finally, Fred says, uh, My name is Fred, also called Frolly Frog. I'm going to sing like I said I would. And Freddy kind of expands and starts singing. Calamity Jane, she was the best in all of the West. Calamity Jane, what a cowboy. They start clapping right away, and Fred goes on singing. She was the best in all of the West, Calamity Jane. She could shoot and she could ride, Calamity Jane. Well, she had pride, Calamity Jane. Well, the cowboys, they're all dancing now and clapping, Calamity Jane. And Fred says, wait a minute, you want some music, cowboys? Frop, get up here. Frop, the tiniest, littlest frog in the world, jumps on the keys, bloom. Up on the top of the piano, a little frop starts playing the bass. Bung, 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 bung. Love it. Don't be shy, frop. Calamity turns. Well, now all the cowboys, they're dancing around watching frop. She was the best in all of the West. Calamity turns. Well, now they're dancing. They're dancing in the chairs. They're dancing on the tables. And Fred says, wait a minute. You want to dance? I'll show you about dancing. Flip-flop. Longest, tallest, skinniest frog in the world. Flip-flop. Jumps right up on the top of the piano. And three times he tips that cap. And then flip-flop. He starts dancing like magic. Flip-flop, a flip-flop. Flip-flop, a flip-flop. He's doing somersaults and coming down on the poker chips. He's dancing on the chairs and the tops of the cowboys' hats all over the place. Flip-flop, flip-flop. Cowboys never seen anything like it. They're dancing behind him. Flip-flop, flip-flop. And Fred picks it up. Calamity turn. She all the best in all of the West. Calamity turn. And little Frop's playing. Bung, 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 bung. And Doc Holliday, he comes over. 
and he's playing the bass with Frop. The cowboys are dancing after flip flop. Flip flops like a ballerina, and the cowboys look like dancing horses, but they're dancing. Calamity Jane! And the sarsaparilla's flowing all through the night. They're having a wonderful time. Calamity Jane! When she had pride. And all of a sudden, Fred said, well, wait a minute, cowboys, <laughs> wait a minute. I don't know what happened, but uh, the night melted away, cowboys, and I got to go. Cowboy said, hey, Fred, we just began. Come on, Fred, calamity, Jane. Fred said, I, I can't. Uh, I promised the birds. And Fred, known as Frolly Frog, he jumps down, he goes to the swinging doors. And he leaves. And the cowboy's turn. Hey, Frop. <laughs> hey, play that bass, huh? Come on. Boom, 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 boom. Frop said, I can't. The birds. Little Frop jumps down. Goes to the swinging doors and he turns. Boom, 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 boom. And he leaves. And Doc Holliday says, hey, Flip Flop. You stay for just a day and we'll take you back. Come on. Let's go, Flip Flop. Flip Flop. Flip-Flop said, I can't. We did promise the birds. And Flip-Flop, he does a somersault and comes down so soft and he dances between their legs and he gets to the swinging doors and he turns and he doffs his cap and he's gone. And those 45 cowboys, they run to the swinging doors and they're watching these three frogs disappear. Calamity Jane, boom, 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 a flip-flop, a flip-flop, a flip-flop. And the last thing they saw is flip-flop turned and he, he doffed his cap. And Doc Holliday, he's smiling for the first time in ten years. Hey, hey, listen, <laughs> you come back, you understand? Anytime, you're welcome. And they was hoping they'd come back. Because that was the best concert they ever had in the Silver Dollar Saloon. And that's a story of frogs. The denizens of the saloon get an unforgettable concert from Frog and his pals in that story by J. O'Callaghan. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with a story from Glenda Bonin, a story called The King Has Goat Ears. You won't want to miss it. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's great to have you back with us on today's episode of The Appleseed Before the Break. You heard a story about Frog in Dodge City from the storyteller J. O'Callaghan. And coming up, we've got a story from Glenda Bonin. Now, Glenda says, the stories I tell must first resonate for me. If I like a story and it causes me to see the possibilities within it, I believe I've found a tale worth sharing. And my hope is that my listeners will experience the wonder, delight, understanding, or surprise within each story in a personal and satisfying way. This is why I do what I do. You'll experience the things that Glenda Bonin hopes you experience as she tells this story. It's called The King Has Goat Ears. And... uh 
In this story, a terrified barber has to cut the king's hair. How high are the stakes? Well, if it doesn't look good, it'll be death for the barber. But this isn't a normal haircut. We'll let you guess what the one complication is. Here's Glenda Bonin with The King Has Goat Ears on the Appleseed. Oh, what am I to do? sighed the master barber. Every barber in the kingdom has disappeared, and no one wants me to teach them my skills anymore. It will just be a matter of time before the king calls for me. Oh, my, what am I to do? You see, the problem was the king. The king had goat ears. Yes, this was, of course, a well-kept secret. From the moment he was old enough to be seen by the people, his ears were always covered. First, with hats, and later by his long, thick hair. His mother was quite determined to keep her son's goat ears, uh, I mean, his condition, a secret. By the time he became king, no one had seen his ears, no one, that is, except his barber. Each morning when the barber came to give the king a shave, the king always asked if the man noticed anything unusual about him. Unfortunately, Each barber eventually made the mistake of saying something about the king's uh, interesting ears. This caused the king to fall into a rage and have the barber put to death. The next day, a new barber was summoned to serve the king. Soon, there were very few barbers left in the kingdom. One day, just as the master barber feared, the king ordered him, the master barber and teacher of all the barbers in the land, to report to the palace. When the time came for the master barber to see the king, the old man suddenly felt ill, and he sent his one remaining apprentice in his place. When the apprentice was shown into the king's chamber, he received an unfriendly greeting by his highness. "'Why are you here? I called for the master barber!' The apprentice replied, My teacher is ill, sire, and he asked me to take his place, since no one else can be trusted with the honor of serving you. This seemed to satisfy the king, and he allowed the young man to prepare him to be shaved. The apprentice went right to work, and, well, he could not help but notice how much the king's ears resembled those of a goat. When he had finished his work, the king asked the young barber if he had noticed anything unusual. To this, the young man calmly remarked, Why, no, sire, nothing, nothing at all. The king was delighted with this response. He gave the young man a purse of money and commanded that he come in every day to shave him. When the apprentice left the castle, he immediately went to see the master barber. The old teacher was surprised to see his apprentice. Hmm, how did it go with the king? The young man brought out the purse of money and told the master that he was to shave the king every day. The apprentice said nothing about the king's goat ears. Each morning after that, the young man shaved the king, and each morning he received a purse of money for his work. After a while, the secret, which he was so careful to keep, began to trouble him greatly. He could not sleep without seeing people with goat ears in his dreams. Whenever he saw a goat in the field, the apprentice struggled to keep himself from laughing out loud. Oh, how he longed to share that secret with someone. 
The master barber noticed something was bothering his student and asked if he had a problem. The young man told his teacher that he had a secret he was duty-bound to keep. But, oh, his desire to share it with someone was always on his mind. The master told the apprentice he could trust the secret with him, but the young man was uncomfortable with this idea. Well, then, said the old man, if you cannot tell me, then perhaps you should tell the earth. Go to a field on the outskirts of town, dig a hole, and whisper your secret three times into the opening. When you are done, put back the dirt and leave your burden there. The apprentice considered this plan and decided that it seemed like a pretty good solution. That afternoon, he went into a field, dug a deep hole, and kneeling beside the hole, he whispered over three times, The king has goat ears. (laughs) The king has goat ears. (laughs) The king has goat ears. When he had finished, oh, he felt lighter, as if a burden had been taken from his shoulders. He shoveled the dirt carefully back into the hole and went home for a good night's sleep. Time passed, and from the spot where he had whispered the secret there grew a fine young tree with straight, sturdy branches. A goatherd was tending his goats nearby and noticed the tree growing there. He cut down a branch to make a flute. Once made, he discovered that he could not make music with the flute. No, instead, the wooden instrument seemed only to repeat the same five words over and over. The king has goat ears. The king has goat ears. It wasn't long before everyone knew about the remarkable flute and what it said. At last, the news reached the king. Send for my barber immediately he commanded. When the young man stood before him, the king accused him of telling his secret and how the secret was being spread by a goatherd with a flute for everyone to hear. But sire, he replied, I have told no one of your secret. With that, the king drew his sword. If you value your life, you will confess your treachery right now. The young barber was so frightened that he told the king exactly what he had done, how he had whispered the king's secret into the earth, and over time a tree had grown in that very spot. Perhaps, sire, the flute singing the secret was made from that very tree, but of this I cannot be certain. (laughs) The story was so strange that the king took the barber to the very spot in order to see for himself if it could possibly be true. When they reached the palace, the king ordered the attendants to cut a branch from the tree and fashion a flute. When it was ready, he ordered the chief advisor to play on the flute. (laughs) But no tune came. Instead, five words were repeated over and over. The king has goat ears, the king has goat ears, the king has goat ears. Well, to the surprise and amusement, of course, of everyone there. In the end, the king had to laugh... He never expected his secret to come to light this way. It seemed even the earth will find a way to eventually tell what it knows. The king decided it was foolish for him to continue to hide his ears. He granted the young barber his life, and when they returned to the castle, the king permitted his hair to be trimmed 
to show off his ears. After that, the kingdom became a good place to live because it was ruled by a most interesting king, famous for having a good sense of humor and the ears of a goat. The King Has Goat Ears, a story shared with you by Glenda Bonin. What a pleasure to bring you that story and the stories that are coming up. You're going to hear from Joseph Bruchak. You're going to hear from Susan Reed and more in just a moment. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's great to have you back with us on today's episode of The Appleseed. Before the break, a story from Glenda Bonin called The King Has Goat Ears. And coming up, a story from Joseph Bruchak. Now, cultures all over the world share beautiful stories of how the earth was formed. The Iroquois legend tells of a woman who falls from the sky. She's saved by sea animals who together organize land where the woman can live. Here's a creation story told by the great storyteller Joseph Bruchak. Here. On the apple seed. Before this world came to be, there lived in the sky country an ancient chief. In the center of his land grew a beautiful tree which had four white roots stretching to each of the directions the north, the west, the south, the east. And from that beautiful tree, all good things grew. It came to be that the tree was uprooted, and through the hole it made in the sky country fell the young wife of that ancient chief. A handful of seeds which she grabbed from the tree as she fell was clutched in her hand. Now far below, there was only water, and the water creatures looked up as they swam. Someone comes, said the duck. We must make room for her. The great turtle swam up from his place in the depths. There is room on my back, the great turtle said. But there must be earth where she can stand, said the duck. And he dove under the waters, but could not reach the bottom. I shall bring up earth, the loon then said, and dove too, but could not reach the bottom. I shall try said the beaver, and dove but could not reach the bottom. Finally, the small muskrat tried. Dove as deeply as she could, swimming until lungs almost burst, with one paw touched the bottom and came up with a tiny, tiny speck of earth. Place the earth on my back, Great Turtle said, and they placed the earth on his back. Spread it around, he said, and as they spread the tiny speck of earth, it grew larger and larger and larger until it became the whole world. Then two swans flew up, and between their wings they caught the woman who fell from the sky. They brought her down gently, down to the new earth, where she dropped her handful of seeds from the sky country. And then it was 
the first plants grew, and life on this new earth began. Ho. Joseph Bruzak with a creation story here on The Appleseed in an hour of stories all about interactions, some of them magical, some of them wondrous, with animals and spirits of nature. You heard earlier a story from Glenda Bonin called The King Has Goat Ears. And at the top of the hour, you heard a story from Jay O'Callaghan about Frog and his adventures in Dodge City. Up next, a little piece from Susan Reed, the wonderful songwriter and storyteller. When Jimmy is proud of a seed in his pocket, his grandmother suggests that even more fun are the seeds of ideas in his mind. Here's Jimmy and the Seed here on The Appleseed. Jimmy turned to Emily at recess and said, I bet you don't know what I got in my pocket. An eraser? Nope. A penny? Nope. What, Jimmy? I'm not telling. Well, forget it then. I don't want to know. Okay, okay. It's a seed. Jimmy reached into his pocket and took out a small brown seed balanced on the palm of his hand, and he showed it to Emily. Hmm. You should plant that, Jimmy. Nope. I don't want to. Just then the bell rang, and it was time for math class. Mrs. Cunningham, I bet you don't know what I got in my pocket. Jimmy, sit down, take out your math, and get started on page 47. Well, it was Friday, and Jimmy had an overnight at his grandparents' house. Hey, Grandma, I bet you don't know what I got in my pocket. A dinosaur. No, Grandma. An elephant? No. A piece of cheese? No, Grandma, you're not even trying. It's a seed. A seed, said Grandma. Oh, beautiful. You should plant that, you know. Nope. I don't want to. Well, that night at bedtime, Jimmy's Grandpa came in to tuck him in. Oh, Jimmy, where are your pajamas? You're not even ready for bed yet. You're still in your clothes. I know, Grandpa. I have to sleep in my clothes tonight because I need my pockets. I've got a seed in there, you know. You do? Yep. You want to see it? Jimmy reached in and took out the seed to show his Grandpa. (laughs) You should plant that, you know. It will grow into something beautiful and amazing. Yeah, I don't want to, though. Why not, Jimmy? Grandpa, it's the only one I've got. Oh, I see. Jimmy, are you sure it's the only seed you've got? Yep, that's it, Grandpa. Well, Jimmy, I've got lots of seeds, you know. Uh, I keep them right up here in my head. You do? Oh, yes, Jimmy. My seeds are my good ideas that could grow into something beautiful and amazing. No way. 
Yeah, like, Jimmy, I've got in mind uh, to make myself a spray that, that you can spray on your knees and all the creaks go away. Grandpa, that's a dumb one. Who would want that? <laughs> oh, someday you'll see Jimmy someday. Do you have any seeds like that, Jimmy? Well, Jimmy thought for a minute. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I could make a chewing gum. That the more you chew it, it gets more and more sour until it's so sour you have to spit it out. Oh, that's a good one, Jimmy. Or, or Grandpa, maybe I could make a Super Bowl that bounces all the way to the moon. Um, I'd sell it with binoculars. <laughs> that's another good one, Jimmy. Well, just then, they heard Grandma calling from the other room. Boys! Boys! Grandpa, you know you're supposed to be tucking Jimmy in. Grandpa pulled up Jimmy's covers, and he said, <laughs> I think I'll invent a hat for Grandmas to wear that makes them forget when bedtime is. They both giggled as Grandpa turned out the light. And just before he shut the door, he said, Hey, Jimmy. Yes, Grandpa? You keep thinking. I, I will, Grandpa. You keep thinking, too. Uh, hey, Grandpa? Yes, Jimmy? I'm going to plant that seed. Good, Jimmy, good. There are so many seeds. So many seeds. Good night, Jimmy. Good night, Grandpa. tiny little story called Jimmy and the Seed from the award-winning songwriter and storyteller Susan Reed. Now, up next, we've got a story from Valentina Ortiz, a storyteller, musician, writer, recording artist, teacher, humanitarian. This is a story about the spirits of the water. In fact, it's a mysterious, even kind of spooky story about a mother who goes in search of the soul of her infant daughter, a soul that has been taken by the water spirits. Mothers are made of remarkable stuff, as is the main character in this story by Valentina Ortiz. The story is called Ateteos, Spirits of the Water. You'll enjoy it. Here's Valentina on the Appleseed. Chamaca, ven para acá. Maria, Maria. I have been yelling at my daughter all morning, but I can't find her. She's not in the house, she's not in the garden. Have you seen her? You know my Maria, the girl with the black tresses and the big eyes. She's always jumping, always running, always laughing. Oh, and she was wearing her nice new pink dress. She really likes it, but I can't find her. I let her go to the river. My grandmother said not to, because the spirits are there. Ha! I said. Oh, the spirits don't exist. But my Maria hasn't come home. 
Maria! Maria! Finally, she came into the house. But she was different. Her eyes, her eyes are small. And she can't speak. She won't eat. Oh, I took her to the doctor immediately. He gave her some nice big red pills. And the next day, he gave her green pills. And then the yellow pills. She has taken pills of all the colors. But my Maria cannot eat. She cannot move. She can't speak. Maybe, maybe my Maria is empty. Just like my grandmother said. Maybe, maybe my grandmother is right. Maybe the ateteos do exist. My grandmother told me, Ay, hijita, no conoces a los ateteos. The ateteos. Why, they are the spirits of the water. Oh, small little people. With very nice faces, but their bodies, ooh, ugly, crooked. They even have their feet the wrong way around. And their hair, it's all tangled and all dirty. But the ateteos really like the children. They love to play with them. Hijita, do you remember when you used to put the baby in the dark room so it could go to sleep? Well, did it go to sleep? No. It would laugh. Oh, a big, nice laughter. Well, there you go. The baby was playing with the ateteo. The problem is, the ateteos really get to care for the children. And so they decide to take them with them into the land of the water. But the ateteos are small, so they can't carry the child. So they leave the body behind. But they take out the soul. They take the soul with them. And they leave the child empty. And then the child dies. So you see, maybe, just maybe, my Maria is empty now. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I will go with my grandmother to the river and get my Maria back. Take her away from the Ateteos. We went. Yes, we went to the river. My grandmother and myself. With two big, long sticks, she told me to take them. And there, on the banks of the river, we hit the floor once, and another time, and another time, and we hit it, and hit it, and hit it, and hit it. And I screamed, Maria, Maria, all day long. But the Ateteos didn't give her back. When we went to the house, there was my child, with her empty eyes, all shriveled, with no movement. I'm going to go speak to Don Chon. Don Chon always knows what to do. He has traveled a lot. He has gone to all the different states of Mexico, even way to the north, to the United States. Don Chon explained to me. He explained that the Tzotziles from Chiapas know how to get into the land of the water. So tomorrow, I am going to go to the top of the hill. I went to the top of the hill, and there, kisi 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 kisi. I got a little frog to jump on my hand, and I told the frog what I wanted. I want a hole in the earth so I can look into the land of the water, because the land of the water is in every big mountain that you see. And the frog made the hole. 
and I kneeled and looked into the hole. Oh, there it was. Oh, it was so green, so wet, so beautiful. On each leaf, you could see the drop of water and a little river over there, and you could see the rain falling. Oh, but I remembered my Maria. That's why I was there. So I put my mouth to the hole and started yelling, Maria, Maria. I decided to sing her favorite song. Maria, mi amor, aquí estoy, Maria. I yelled for hours and hours. And suddenly, a voice a voice came out of the river, the river that was right next to me. And the voice said, Do you really want your daughter back? And I said, Why, of course, my Maria, I love her. She is my only child. She is beautiful. She is my life. And so the river said to me again, Are you sure? And I said, Yes, I want my daughter. So the river opened up. It split in two. And I knew, I knew I had to walk in. I walked into the river, and oh, oh, there I was, in the middle of the land of the water, in the middle of the land of abundance, the trees, big, big trees with delicious fruit, and the maize, the corn, tall corn, and next to the path were all the little leaves, the quelites, the pumpkins over there, the flowers. I just kept walking and walking. And suddenly, in front of me, was a big, big meadow, a beautiful meadow. Oh, but what was really lovely was what was in the meadow. Yes, there were the children, a lot of children. They were running, they were laughing, they were playing. They were screaming, they were singing. And in the middle of all those children, yes, there she was, my Maria. She turned around, she looked at me, and she ran straight into my arms. Oh, we held each other so, so, so deliciously. She laughed. That was my real Maria, with her big bright eyes. Oh, but then I remembered we had to get out of there. I took her hand and said, Vámonos, chamaca, camínele. And we started walking and walking and walking. I had to find a way out. Suddenly we were hungry. And all those delicious fruits were just hanging there. I was just about going to... No, I knew. I knew that if we ate one single thing from the land of the water, we would stay there forever. So I just kept on walking and walking. Caminele, chamaca, caminele, tú puedes. Till we finally got to a big rock. And on top of the rock was a little ray of light. I knew we just had to climb it. So we climbed and I pushed my Maria up. And then we climbed again and I pushed her up. And suddenly we were in the light. And then we fell. We fell flat on our stomachs, hmm. on a dry land. There were rocks. We turned around and we looked up and there was a sky. Actually, I sort of recognized the place. Yes, 
We were sitting on top of the hill, at the highest point of the hill, the place where we never go, because that is where our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers used to sing to the god of the water, to Tlaloc. They used to sing and dance there. I looked around and saw my Maria. Oh, she was smiling. She was looking at me. She was so alive. So immediately, I took her hand and said, Vámonos, chamaca, and we ran and ran and ran and ran and ran straight to our house, straight to the town. Soon we saw the little town. Those ten little huts were so beautiful. Hey, but my hut, my hut had no smoke. No smoke coming out of it. Then I got mad, because in the morning I left enough enough wood for the fire to be lit all day long, and I was hungry. I wanted to get there and cook some tortillas. But, well, we went into the house, and there... I knew something was really wrong. Everything was broken. Everything was full of dust. So I ran out of there and I went to my neighbor's house, to my comadre Juana. She is my best friend. And just before we got to the house, a big dog, a black dog. Hey, that's the dog I gave her. But that dog started barking at us. Oh, he barked so loud and he showed his terrible teeth. So we just stay there. And I say, my comadre Juana will come out and she will save us. And yes, Juana came out. But again, the strangest thing. Instead of greeting us and taking her dog away, no. She started to yell. And she started to pray, Ave Maria Santísima, Purísima, Madre Mía. And then she started to cry. And then finally she calmed down. And she looked straight into my eyes and said, Comadre, you are alive. And then she did the stranger thing. She pinched my cheek. And I said, Oiga, Comadre, ¿qué le pasa? And Juana explained, Comadrita, you have been gone for one year. We thought you were dead, you and your daughter. My life is sort of getting back to normal. Well, at least the people don't yell and start praying every time they see us. My daughter is beautiful. My life is, is, well, I'm not the same anymore. You know, I really miss, I really miss the land of water. It is so beautiful. It is so, it smells so wonderful. So, well, once a year, on the day of San Juan, I go up there. I go up to the hill and kichi 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 call the frog, ask her to make a little hole. And then I look into the hole. And I look there and I see the land of abundance with all its green and all its water and all its beauties. And when I do that, I always take with me a pot full of chicken with mole, a pot full of rice, and I leave it there around the hole, just in case. Maybe a nateteo, maybe a spirit of the water wants to come up from the hole and try all the wonders I took. Because you know, us humans also can make nice things. And I really hope that the ateteos one day will try them.
Ateteos, Spirits of the Water, a story told for you by Valentina Ortiz. It's from a collection called Earth Stories. In an hour of the apple seed filled with stories about humans interacting with animals and nature and the spirits of nature. We're going to wrap up today with a story called Old Rabbit Saves the People. This is a story from India. And it's shared with you by a storyteller named Nora Dooley. You've heard Nora's work on the show before. And you can find all these stories at byuradio.org slash Appleseed, an archive there of all of the episodes of the show, more than a thousand episodes and thousands of stories for your listening pleasure anytime you like. Here's Nora Dooley with Old Rabbit Saves the People on the Appleseed. One time, long ago, when all the animals were friends and could speak to one another, there was a time in the jungle when there was a lion who was so fierce, so bloodthirsty, he was snarling and ripping and tearing his way through so many animals. The animals were afraid that soon there would be none of them left. So the animals held a meeting, and there was a great wringing of paws, and what shall we do in shaking of heads and tails? And Grandfather Rabbit said, We all know how that lion is so lazy. Really he is, and much as he likes to snarl and snap and tear and bite and eat, he really likes to laze in the sun. What if we offered one of us each day to go and to be his meal, and in return he would promise not to eat more than one of us each day? The animals were all very enthusiastic about this idea until they realized that they had to go first to tell Lion of the idea, and second, they would then have to choose one of them to be the first meal. I'll go and explain it to Lion, said Grandfather Rabbit. I'll go after he's eaten. He won't be hungry, and we can just talk. So Grandfather Rabbit went hopping through the jungle until he came to the clearing just in front of Lion's cave. Lion sat in the sun. There were the carcasses of dead animals and bones all around him. He was licking his paws and sticking his claws through his big mane, and he flicked a piece of antelope out from between his teeth and said, You look nice and plump and juicy, but... uh, I've already eaten, thank you. And then he belched. Oh, mighty lion, said Grandfather Rabbit. We have come to you with an idea. We know how important it is to you to rest, to to sun, to get your strength. And we have come to you with an opportunity, yes, and a plan. Our plan and opportunity for you, oh, mighty lion, is that we will each day send one of us to be your meal, something plump, something juicy, something really befitting, a magnificent animal such as yourself. I'll try it. We'll see how it works. Be here at noon. I don't like to be kept waiting. First meal at noon. As you wish, said Grandfather Rabbit, and he went back to tell the other animals. But they were again wringing their paws and looking down at their feet. And he said, but don't worry. I will be the first volunteer. I will go and volunteer as Lion's first meal. And if my plan succeeds, I think I'll be the last. Again, all the animals were quite relieved and relaxed, and they gave Grandfather Rabbit big hugs and kisses, and the next day he was sent off into the jungle to Lion's Lair. But he didn't hurry. 
No, he stopped and looked at every leaf and flower. He dabbled his toes in every creek in the jungle. He said hello to all those animals that were not really of concern. Lizards and snakes and frogs and birds. Things that lions don't eat. And it was quite late, actually, when he came to the clearing before Lion's Cave. And then Grandfather Rabbit started to run. He ran and ran and ran and ran so fast and then threw himself right down in front of Lion. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, mighty Lion. I didn't mean to be late. uh, No excuses. Oh, yes, that's just what he said, said Grandfather Rabbit. Who said? But but the other lion lives in this jungle. He said, no excuses, but I told him I was promised to you. He said he was going to eat me, but I said, oh, no, no, I am promised. Yeah, And then he said that you were a nobody and a big hot airbag to what? He said that you were just a flea under his tail, but I ran away as fast as I could. Bring me to that lion. Very, very well. He is very big. Bring me to that lion right now. Very well, said Grandfather Rabbit. Follow me. So Grandfather Rabbit hopped and ran ahead, and Lion snarled and loped behind, and Grandfather led him to a well, and he hopped up onto the side of it and whispered, He's in there! Lion growled a deep growl and reached up, knocked Grandfather Rabbit off of that well with one paw and sent him flying through the air, and then the lion jumped up on that well edge and looked down inside. From inside the well... He could see a huge, angry lion looking right back at him. You, said lion. You, said the lion in the well. Who do you think you are, said lion. Who Who do you you think think you you are, are? said the lion in the well. Get out of my jungle, said lion. Get out of my jungle, said the lion in the well. I'll show you, said lion. I'll show you, said the lion in the well. Really? said Lion. Really? said the Lion in the well. And then, roar! He dove down with his claws, spread his mouth open, and he roared right into that roaring Lion in the well, and splash! And neither Lion was ever seen or heard from again. Grandfather Rabbit went hopping back to all the animals and told them how his plan had worked. And they lived as happily ever after as any animals I know. Old Rabbit Saves the People, a story told for you by Nora Dooley here on the Appleseed. That wraps up an hour of stories that has seen tales from Valentina Ortiz, that story about the mother going in search of the spirit, the soul of her daughter that's been stolen away by the spirits of the water. You heard from Jay O'Callaghan with a great story about Frog and his adventures in Dodge City. You heard The King Has Goat Ears by Glenda Bonin. You heard a little tale from Susan Reed and another from Joseph Bruchak. It's been a great hour, and it's been great to have you with us for it. The hour was written today by Jen Baker. Our audio engineer is Stuart Foster. Our producer is Jeff Simpson. I'm Sam Payne. Find us online at byuradio.org slash Appleseed or Google the Appleseed podcast for something new just about every day on the show. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for an hour of stories, music, and conversation made for you and your family and brought to you by The Appleseed. The show is a production of BYU Radio. We'll see you next time.